0: Man, well, you know, I'm a dad of two, and uh, one of my favorite movies because of that is the movie Trolls. Um, And uh, you you remember this movie, right, with Justin Timberlake as Branch and Anna Kendrick as Princess Poppy. And I love that movie because at at the time that it came out, our daughter was four years old. And uh, there were some really great uh, uh, themes and stories and lessons to learn from that movie. And from that movie, one of my favorite songs was uh, Get Back Up Again. You remember this song, Get Back Up Again? If not, here, I wanna let you relive a bit of this song. Check it out. I really hope I can do it, because they're all depending on me. I know that I must leave the only home I've ever known and brave the dangers of the forest, saving them before they're eaten. I mean, how hard? it's gonna be a fantastic day such marvelousness it's gonna bring got a pocket full of songs that i'm gonna sing and i'm ready to take on any is the way to start a Sermon in a Man series, right? A song from Princess Poppy, come on. Yeah, no, but I love that song uh, because we wanted to teach our daughter this principle that you're gonna get knocked down in life. There's gonna be times where it's gonna be difficult. You're gonna fail, you're gonna fall, but when that happens, don't stay down. Instead, get back up. And this is actually a philosophy that's founded in the scriptures. The, The proverb writer says it this way, for though the righteous fall seven times, They rise again. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. How many of you know that there are gonna be times in life where you're gonna get beat down? Life is gonna throw you some things. It's gonna shove you to the ground and demand that you stay down. But the question is, will you rise again? Will you stand back up or will you stay fallen? When the job doesn't pan out, will you wallow or will you rise When your past continually creeps in on you, will you stay down on the ground as a victim or will you stand up as a victor? When the relationship doesn't work like you think it would, when the insecurities begin to press in around you and pound you down and say, stay down, will you rise up or will you stay down on the ground? What will you do? Are y'all with me? All right. I feel like I'm preaching better than you're responding. But that's the question. What will you do? Will you rise up or will you stay down? And I believe that some of us in this room, if not all of us, come on, all of us have been beat down in life and it's time to rise. Are y'all ready to rise up? Come on. So we're in the midst of this series called The Thin Red Line and I just wanna take you back to where we've been. And so where we've been is we've said that your masculinity is this strong, powerful tool, it's a lot like a knife. And with this knife, you can protect, you can build, you can provide with a knife like this, it's a powerful tool. You can also use this same tool and wield it in a manner that brings destruction and death. You can wound and slice and cut and stab and hurt others. And we said that your masculinity is the same way, works in the same way as this knife. And so that's where we were the first week of the series. The second week of the series, just two weeks ago, we talked about uh, the truth that we need to prepare for war. Because you and I, we have an enemy who's coming after us, and he wants to take us out, and he knows if he can take us out, he can take out everybody connected to us. And so because of that, we need to prepare for war. And we ended that sermon reading this passage from a guy named Paul, and we're gonna dive into that passage today. We're gonna d- take a deep dive into that passage and really look how do, we, how do we practically apply that passage in our lives. But this guy named Paul wrote the passage that we're gonna read today. And uh, Paul is a great guy to learn from when it comes to, to getting back up. Because Paul experienced some beat downs in his life. He was knocked down several times in his life and he got back up. I just wanna give you a list of some of what Paul experienced in his life, he said this I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked, and I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. That's a list of beatdowns right there. Paul's been through some stuff. But Paul did the very thing that we're talking about in the book of Acts. It's recorded for us by Luke. Here's what happened. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and they won the crowd over. They stoned Paul, and they dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. It said he got up and went back into the city. That's some Princess Poppy stuff right there. Paul was stoned, dragged out of the city, left for dead, and then he got back up and went back into the city. If there's anybody we can learn from when it comes to getting back up after a beat down in life, it's Paul. And so Paul has some things to share with us and we find it in Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. Again, this is where we started reading last week. And then we're going to uh, dive into it even deeper this week. And so here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Because when we, when we met last, we said we need to prepare for war. And so the question is, how do we prepare for war? We're going to dive into it right here. He said, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So we got to prepare for war. If we're going to prepare for war, we need to be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Not strong in your own power. This is a problem I think many men face, is that we try to be strong in our own power. But the problem is, your your power is feeble. Your power is weak. Your, your Your power is finite. It doesn't last forever. And so there's a point where you're going to get weak. There's a point where you're going to tire. There's a point where you're not going to be able to handle it. And I see this a lot in guys, because we try our best. We're doing the best we can. I talk to you guys about showing up in their families, showing up in church, showing up just in life, and the thing I hear so often is I'm trying. I know, I know, I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try. And that's your problem is you're trying. You're trying to operate in your own power, in your own strength, which is limited, which is finite, which will not work, and that's why Paul begins this passage by saying, finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. You can't lead your family on your own. You've been trying, and it's failing. You can't manage your life on your own. You've been trying, and it's gotten you where you are. You've been trying to do what you've been doing on your own, and it's not working. And before you think I'm just talking about you, the same is true for me. I can't be the husband I need to be on my own. I can't be the father that I need to be on my own. I've tried and it doesn't work because my temper gets the best of me because I lose my patience quickly. I can't do it on my own because there's sometimes I just wanna be lazy. So when I stop trying to do it on my own, follow God, rest in his power, rest in his strength, then I'm able to in the moments where my patience is wearing thin, go the extra mile and still show patience. When I'm trusting in God and his power and I'm letting him lead me and I'm following after him, it's in those moments where when I I just don't want to do anything. He spurs me on and reminds me I have people to care for, that I'm entrusted to care for some people in my kingdom. And then I live that out. So, So Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Can I just, men, can I just encourage you to give up? Give up trying on your own. Give up trying to make it all work. Give up trying to figure it all out. And just rest in God's power and His strength and let Him walk with you and lead you and guide you and supply you with what you need. Be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. And He says this put on the full armor of God. Because again, we've got to prepare for war. So put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so remember, you have a very real enemy who is trying to take you out. And his thought process is this. If he can take you as the man connected to your kingdom, then he can take out everyone within your kingdom. As a man, you're a king. God has called you a king to be co-ruler with him. And there are people he's entrusted to you within your kingdom. God has entrusted some people to you to protect, provide, and preside over. And so they are your responsibility. But you have a very real enemy who is forming a plan, and his plan is to take you out. And his plan for you is different from his plan for some other man. He has a specific plan for you, and that's why we got to be on guard. That's why we got to prepare for war, because his goal is to hogtie you, to, to incapacitate you, so he can have his way with you and everyone else in your kingdom. He knows if he can take you out, he can take out everybody connected with you. And you've experienced this in your life, haven't you? You had a man who got taken out. And it caused a deep wound in you. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was your father. Maybe it was your stepdad. Maybe it was a leader that you trusted. Maybe it was a boss. But you had a man who got taken out. He was absent. And he should have been there to protect you. But he wasn't. And that hurt you. His crushing insecurity immobilized him so that he didn't lead you like he needed to and that wounded you. You had a man who got taken out by his own anger, his own pride, his own ego, and he powered up and he just bulldozed over everybody in front of him, and you were one of those people, and he took you out. See, Satan knows if he can take out that man, he can take out everyone connected to him. And he has a plan for you to take you out. Because don't you understand that when you get taken out, that action has ripple effects. It affects everyone connected to you. And you don't get to control how far those ripples go. Do you understand how your anger right now, even though you may not have kids, affects your relationship with your grandkids? Because if you don't get that anger under control now, and then one day you do have kids and you take that out on your kids, when your kids have kids, they won't want you to be around their kids because they don't want them to experience the anger like they experience. Do you see how how you're living now has real effects for generations to come? And the enemy knows, if he can take you out, he can take out everybody connected to you. And if he can get the best of you and rise up your anger so that it becomes toxic and destructive, then you can be cut off from having a relationship with grandkids who don't exist yet impacts the enemy took you out and that negatively impacts them do you understand that the way that you communicate with people can have negative consequences and love them and serve them that can have negative consequences for your kids when they grow up because they're looking at you to see how does a man treat a woman and based on what you do in relationship to your wife, they'll say, oh, I guess that's how a man treats a woman, so that's how I'll treat my wife. It has ripple effects. Or your little girl says, oh, I guess that's how a man treats a woman. You know what? I don't don't think I want any part of that. Ripple effects. If the enemy can take you out, he can impact so many other people within your kingdom. This is why we gotta be prepared for war, and this is why we gotta put on the full armor of God. I'll just... I'll just tell you the the example for me. So for me, like for most of my life, I've battled with an addiction to pornography. And uh, it was in middle school that I first was exposed to pornography. I I just came across this statistic um, just this week that kids 15 and under, 61% of kids 15 and under who are exposed to pornography are exposed to pornography accidentally. So kids 15 years and under, of those kids who are exposed to pornography, 61% of the time it's accidentally. They didn't mean to. This is why it's so dangerous for you to let your kid have a phone. This is why it's so dangerous for you to let your kid have an iPad. Un- I mean, just, just last night, we were watching um, Lego Masters. We were watching on Hulu and a commercial came on for a TV show, and the scene was essentially pornographic. Our kids got exposed to that, accidentally. And we had to change the channel real quick. So, so we have this habit in our house where, where when, when now when just any commercials come on, we just change the channel, because we don't know what's gonna come on. 61% of kids who are exposed to pornography 15 years and younger, they're exposed accidentally. That's why you gotta have boundaries, man. Cause you got an enemy who's trying to take you out, he's trying to take your kittens out. And just a flash of something like that can forever impact their life. For me, when I was exposed, to it, it wasn't accidentally, it was intentional. I wanted to see it. And I was enabled to see it. And when I watched that it skewed my view of sex forever. It became this addiction for me. It's all through middle school and some in high school. I was addicted to pornography a lot in college. I went to Bible college, no less. I was addicted to pornography in Bible college. And then I got married, and I carried that into my marriage. And this has been a battle for me for the majority of my life. Because the enemy had a plan to take me out. And I realized that. And because the enemy has a plan to take me out, I got to prepare for war. I can't just haphazardly go about this. And so, so what I did, because I realized that I had a problem, I had an addiction. It was an addiction because I couldn't say no. You think you don't have an addiction to something, then stop doing it. Come on. <laughs> oh, well, I can stop anytime I want. Well, go ahead and stop now. Well, I just don't want to. You're addicted. Whatever it is. You're addicted. If you can't stop, if it's if it's eating, if it's binge watching something, if it's smoking, if it's drugs, if it's pornography, if it's I don't even know, if it's gossiping, whatever it is, if you can't stop it, you're addicted. I couldn't stop. I went to support groups to get help. I was in an accountability group with some other guys who were uh, struggling with the same addiction. That's that's not helpful. We all get together and we're all struggling with the same addiction. Yeah, I messed up again this week. Okay, well, don't do it again right? But at least I had support. We were all in the same mess together. But I went to a support group, and I realized I got to change this, because I was in a support group with guys who were a lot older than me, who were in the process of divorce, their life was a wreck, and I realized if I continue to go down this path, then that's going to be my life. So I started setting up boundaries, started putting things in place so that I could uh, overcome the addiction and uh, it's still a fight now. The temptation still comes. And I wish the reason why I could say the, why I can win out in that and overcome that is because I love Jesus. Yes, I do, I love Jesus, woo, hoo hoo! and it's because of Jesus that I have victory. And that's a big part of it. I can't do this on my own without him. I, I can't overcome without his strength and his power and his grace. But another reason why I'm able to overcome is because uh, I've brought people into my life to see what's in the shadows. Yeah. I, I brought what's in the shadows into the light. I've, I've, I've let people know my, my shortcomings. And so, so Dave, my brother-in-law, is, is the guy that I go to if there's a struggle or a temptation, and I say, hey, I, I just wanna let you know that this, th- this is a temptation. And, and so now he knows. And now there's another guard in place where it's like, okay, I'm not going to engage in that because somebody knows. And I know if I do engage in it, i got to tell somebody. And I don't want to face that. And so that helps me say no when the temptation comes. But the other reason why I've been able to find victory in this temptation, even though it comes, the reason why I'm able to fight back and say no is because I realize that I have an enemy who wants to take me out. And if he can get me uh, caught up and wrapped up in this addiction, he'll take me out and then he'll take out everybody connected with me. See, one of the reasons why I'm able to fight this battle, one of the reasons why I'm able to fight this temptation is because I'm married and I don't want to give in to this temptation because when I do that, it impacts my wife in a negative way. See, if Satan can take me out, he can take her out too. And then she begins to think that she's not good enough. It builds up insecurity in her. When I engage in pornography, then what I'm telling her is you're not good enough for me. And I need other women. And I can't do that. The reason why I don't engage in it, the reason why I fight like I do, is because I have a son. And if I get taken out by this, then I attach this addiction to him. And I let him get taken out. And I can't do that. The reason why I can fight against this and say no to this temptation is because I have a daughter. And if I say yes to this and I engage in it, then what I communicate to her, if I get taken out, what I communicate to her is that your value and worth is only in your sexual appearance and what you can give to men. And I don't wanna give her that message. See, I can't engage in this because if I get taken out, I got too much to lose. The people connected to me get taken out also. And then on top of all that, I lead this church. If I get taken out, if I give in to the addiction, then it gives you a reason to say, well, I guess this Jesus stuff doesn't work, because look at him. And the stories are out there. Man, the stories are out there. I got a friend who's a pastor of a church in Tennessee And he just recently got divorced because he had an affair. A woman who was on staff at his church, she was married, he was married. They had an affair together and got a divorce. Church didn't handle it right. He took off for a month, came back. And just a month and a half ago, they announced that their building was in foreclosure. There's a pastor friend of mine that I know who went to prison for taking indecent liberties with minors. Just recently, here in the Virginia Beach area, there was a pastor who was arrested as part of a sex trafficking ring. The stories are out there. And because those men got taken out, it impacted hundreds and thousands of people. Right. I can't engage in that. Because if I engage in it, I got more to lose than just me. Everybody within the sphere of my influence gets taken out because of my decisions. Men, you understand, if you get taken out, whatever it is for you, if it's your anger, your insecurity, your feelings of inadequacy, your laziness, your addictions, your past, whatever it is, if that creeps up on you and you allow that to take root in you and you allow the enemy to take you out, everybody connected to you gets taken out. That's why we got to prepare for War. And that's why Paul says, you got to put on the full armor of God. Look at this, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, it says this. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. And I want you to notice that in verse 11, we're told to put on the full armor of God, and then in verse 13, Paul repeats it again, put on the full armor of God. And so the question then is, yeah, and go ahead and take out your phone so you can take pictures of this. This is how we uh, take notes here. And there's going to be a lot of things for you to take pictures of. But he says, put on the full armor of God. Why? Because we've got to prepare for war. Because we've got an enemy who's trying to take us out. And so if you ask the question, how much of the armor of God do I need? Do I need this piece or this piece? Can I get a little bit of it? No, the answer is you're going to need all of it. That's the title for my sermon. Two weeks ago, I preached from this title, Prepare for War. This week, the title is this. You're going to need all of it. Because in order for us to prepare for war, we have to put on the full armor of God, not just some of it. And so, here's what we see. Ephesians chapter six, verse 14. Actually, before I move on to this, I wanna wanna go back to, um, yeah, no, 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 Ephesians 6, 14. So so let's go ahead and put on this full armor of God. Let's let's see what the pieces are and then see how do we do this in our life practically. Ephesians 6.14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. And so it's it's important to see this, that Paul starts with the belt of truth. And a belt is not um, defensive or offensive. It's not armor. It's just a functional tool, Right? And so, with the belt, he says, put on the belt of truth. And just thinking about this, uh, literally, um, a belt holds everything up. A belt holds everything together. Because it's impossible for you to go into battle and win if your loins are hanging out, right? It's impossible for you to fight a good fight if your butt's exposed. And so, he says, put on the belt of truth. And it's the belt of truth. Truth, we discovered it in the first week of the series, is when our beliefs and our feelings crash into reality, whatever's left standing, that's what's true. And so th- there is. No, well, well, that's your truth and that's my truth and that's his truth and her truth and they truth or mixed truth or any of that stuff. No, it's what's true is true and we know it's true because when our beliefs and feelings crash into reality, reality will knock down what's not true and what is true stays standing. What is true works and is right and is good. And what we find is that the belt of truth holds everything up. So what we need to do is put on the belt of truth. We find truth in God's word. So where do I find truth? It's God's word. So I'm gonna put on God's word in my life and I'm gonna let him let what he says go in my life. And so it's not, well, my grandma said this, or this one church said this, or society and culture says this, and I really believe this. And, you know, as I think about it, I kind of feel this way. No, instead, what we do, where we find truth is God's word. And we say, God's word says this, so I'm going to live my life based on that. And if we try to live our life based on anything other than God's word, come on, anything other than his truth, you've experienced it, you know it, then what happens is our pants fall and we're caught Off guard. Because there's times that you've operated based on what you thought was best. There's times I've operated based on what these people said. There's times where I thought, well, this kind of makes sense. And I did that thing and it didn't work. Reality crashed into it and it didn't stand up. That's not true. And I found myself in a place I didn't want to be exposed. So... Let's learn from our mistakes and our own experience. We put on the belt of truth. We go to God's Word and we say, God, if your Word says it, that's how I'm going to build my life. When it comes to relationships, your Word says this. That's what I'm going to do in relationships. When it comes to money, your Word says this. That's what I'm going to do with money. When it comes to sex and sexuality, your Word says this. That's what I'm going to do with sex and sexuality. When it comes to my own identity and who I am, your Word says this. And so I'm going to do that. It's that simple. And Paul says, put on the belt of truth. If not, and you've experienced it, I've experienced it, we just get left exposed. And so, first, we got to wrap ourselves in God's word, which is truth. And, And then, here's a list of the rest of the armor that we need. He says, put on the breastplate of righteousness, put it in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so here, here's the list of all uh, the armor of God, and some of these are armor, some of these are, are weapon, well, weapons, but, but I wanna point this out real quick. He says, uh, to put it on. And so to, to take it up, to put it on, to equip yourself with this armor, and that's, and that's key. you got to put it on. You can't just know about it. You can't just hear about it in a sermon. You can't just read about it in the Bible. Because weaponry and armor that isn't used, weaponry and armor that's locked up in a closet or a trunk somewhere or in a safe doesn't do you any good, Right? If it's locked up somewhere and it's not on you, it doesn't do you any good. And so my gun is at home in a safe right now. If something were to go down here, that gun in the safe doesn't do me any good. Now if something were to go down here, you can rest assured because there are some good guys who are equipped and ready to take down a threat. So just know that, you don't have to worry. But my gun doesn't do me any good because it's in a safe at home. See, that's the thing. If you hear about the armor of God, but you don't put it on, it doesn't do you any good. When we think about armor and weapons, it can be inspiring to see somebody save the day in a movie using a weapon. It it can be uh, nice knowing about how to use a weapon. It could be great, all, all of that stuff, but unless you have it, unless you're equipped with it, it doesn't do you any good. And so if somebody broke into my house and I said, stop, I'm thinking about getting a gun one day. I'm dead. Thinking about it doesn't help me. Hold on, wait. I've been, I've been practicing and 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 having conversations about that doesn't do me any good. I've been singing about, I've been reading about, that doesn't do you any good. You have an enemy right now who is planning to take you out. He's plotting to take you out. He's scheming. He's attacking you right now. But we show up exposed. We show up with armor laying out somewhere. And we just wonder, why, why does my life suck? Why is this happening? Why do I keep getting beat down? Because you got to put on the full armor of God. Right. If you don't put it on, it doesn't do you any good. So how do we do, he said, put it on. So he says this, the breastplate of righteousness. Let me go back. For these weapons to be beneficial. We'll have this on the screen for you. Here it is. Take a picture of this. For these we- and, and if you just take a picture of it but don't do it, that doesn't do you any good either. Look, devil, I got a picture of it. <laughs> he don't care. You got to put it on. For these weapons to be beneficial in your life, you must actively reach out. Pick them up, put them on, wear them, practice, and prepare how to use them. That's why it's important for you to be in church every Sunday. Dear God, some of us can't even get to church, let alone put on God's armor. This is why it's important for you to take time to just sit and be still with God and be in his presence and then read his word in the morning so that you can start your day ready for war. Even if you don't know where to start, even if you're not sure what to do, just show up and be like, God, I'm here. Preacher said, I gotta put on some armor, so help me figure that out. If not, man, what? Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power, not your own. And so we gotta put it on. We gotta put it on. I, I gotta move on. Ephesians 6.16. It says this. Oh, first, let, let me go back to what we read. So the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness. He said, put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate guards our heart. The breastplate of righteousness guards the heart. And so what is the heart? The heart is the spiritual part of a person that's the source of their identity and their will to make choices. And so you gotta protect your heart because your heart is king. Your heart is where you make choices. Protect your heart with the breastplate of righteousness. I gotta protect my heart, my heart is king. Next it says this, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, See, the description here is a soldier who's ready for war. And so back, back then, during the time that this was written, uh, regular people wore sandals. Slaves went barefoot, but soldiers wore shoes. And shoes were fitted with tread to help them stand guard, ready for battle. He said, get your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of Peace. And so we put on the shoes to make us ready to advance because of the gospel of peace. Now the gospel is this. Here's a good definition of what the gospel is. Jesus died on the cross to forgive you and give you new life so that you can now live in the kingdom of God with God, having a new identity, new position, new qualification and access to all of God's power and strength. So Jesus died on the cross so that you could come into God's kingdom. Outside of God's kingdom, you don't have a new identity. You're still dead. Outside of God's kingdom, you have no power. It's only your own power. You're not operating in God's power. So the gospel brings you inside God's kingdom and gives you access to all of God's resources. And so if you've been knocked down, then... The, the, the question is, have you entered into God's kingdom to have access to the resources he's given you, to live in the new identity that he's given you? And if you are in God's kingdom and you've been knocked down, then again, you have to live in that new identity. You have to live in the power that he gives you. And there's going to be times when the battle comes, but because you have a new identity and you remind yourself, that's not who I am, that's who I was, that you can stand in victory. That when, when hardships come and they beat you down, then you can say, wait, I'm not even all the way to the ground now, because I know God is bigger than what's facing me, and I'm trusting him, and I'm following him, and I know this isn't how I want things to be, but I know he'll work it out for my good, whatever that looks like, because I'm in his kingdom now. Right. And so you've got to fit your feet with the readiness of the gospel of peace, knowing who you are, knowing you have a brand new identity, knowing that you're in God's kingdom, and your heavenly Father is bigger than whatever it is you face. And then he says you gotta take up the shield of faith. Ephesians 6.16, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Doesn't this seem like life sometimes? Like, Like your enemy just keeps firing arrows of doubt? And insecurity, and inadequacy, and arrows of feelings of failure—you just keep getting pelted with arrows. Paul said, "Take up the shield of faith." And 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 what the shield of faith does is it guards you, so that even though things may not look how you want them to, you know that the reality is different. Here, here's what I mean. This is what faith is. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith. It's confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. It's confidence in what I hope for and assurance about what I do not see. And so I may not feel it, I may not see it, I may not be experiencing it right now, but what I know is that God said it and if God said it, I'll see it. I may not feel like a victor, but I am because God said I am. I may not feel like I'm good enough, but I know I am, and I'm living in that identity because I'm complete through Christ. I may not be winning in this situation, but I'm walking toward triumph because Christ is the one who strengthens me. So shoot your arrows all you want at me, devil, but I'm moving towards victory, and I can block them with this shield of faith. I know it doesn't seem like I want it now, but I know where I'm headed. And I know what's true because God said it. So take up the shield of faith. But I can't have faith unless I know what's true. I can't have faith in what God said unless I know what God said. So that means I need to know what God said So then Ephesians 6, 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I want to talk to you about the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I'm going to get to the helmet in a minute. You got to take up God's word and you got to get in it and you got to read it so you can know it and you can do it. You can do it. Man, I've been so inspired over the past several months. Um, by uh, the faith of my friend Rick. Uh, Rick recently became a Christian in June, he was baptized, and uh, it's been cool hearing some of his stories since then, uh, how he said, yeah, I have just dove into the Bible where I'm reading it an hour a day. I'm thinking to myself, dear God, I don't even read the Bible an hour a day. It's convicting, it's inspiring, it's challenging, but he wants to know what it says because what it says is gonna dictate how he lives. You see, we got to know what it says. So what's your Bible reading habit look like? If it's non-existent, no wonder you keep getting punched in the face. No wonder you don't know what's true. No wonder you feel exhausted. No wonder you feel like you're losing. You got to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is God's Word. And it's great that you're here in church, you're hearing God's Word and that's a good thing. And that's why you gotta make being in church a priority. That's why you gotta make being in groups a priority. But you gotta also take time to just get in God's word. I don't know where to start. Start somewhere. I just tell people, start in the book of Mark. It's the shortest gospel, it's 16 chapters. Um, and, and just start there. And then you'll learn about the life of Jesus. But start somewhere. And so we pick up God's word, and, and, and by the way, The sword is a defensive and an offensive weapon. It's defensive in that when the enemy comes at you with his lies, you can beat them back with God's word, defending yourself. But you can also use God's word to take ground to advance his kingdom, claiming what's true and living in his promises so that your life begins to look more like him. Now, I wanna be very clear on this. God's word is a sword, but it's not a sword to be used against other people. And some of you have experienced this, you've used God's word as a sword against other people, you've had it used against you by somebody else. We don't use God's word to cut and wound and stab and slice other people, no. Our battle is not against fleshly blood, but against spiritual, uh, the, the spiritual realms happening here in, 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 our, in our world now. So we use God's word to encourage and uplift people and convict people, and help people, but not to hurt people, right? And so we take up God's word, which is, uh, or the spirit, the, the, the sword of, of God's word, and then the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation protects our minds. Sal, uh, the helmet of salvation protects our thoughts. Salvation is our regained identity. And so this is who I am now in Jesus. And now all my thoughts are because I'm a new creation, this is how I think. Because I have a new identity, this is how I think about this. This is what I believe about this because I have a new identity. And so we put on the full armor of God. And when you do that, it changes everything. And, and I wanna explain how it changes everything because watch this. This is, this is most people's experience, most men's experience. Women, I don't know if this is your experience. I'm not a woman, so I don't know. But I've experienced this, and I know a lot of men have as well. Here's what happens. In life, our body wants something, whatever it is. I want this. And when that happens, our emotions scream yes. Yes, make it happen. And then what happens is our minds begin to figure out ways to carry it out. And then all of that, our body, our emotions, our mind, have to go to our heart, which is our king. And before we do it, we have to get permission from the heart. And The heart is where truth comes from. The, what you believe in your heart about what's true informs what you do. When we put on the full armor of God, it reverses it so that what happens is we put on the belt of truth, God's word, and God's word informs our heart about what's true, informs our king about what's true. And that way, when that happens, our heart then says, here's what we need to do, here's how I need to live, here's my priorities, here's my boundaries, here's my my way of living, and then we tell our uh, our thoughts, how to think, from the heart. And then our thoughts get our emotions in check. And then it directs our body and what we do. So putting on the full armor of God moves you from your body screaming out, I want this, and then your emotions saying, yes, let's do it, and then your mind figuring out ways to make it happen, and then your heart just going along with it, and okay, well, yeah, I guess that, that might be true based on that. When you put on the full armor of God, it reverses it to where you have the truth of God's word in your heart, and then your heart tells your mind, here's how we need to think, and then your mind says, emotions, here's how we need to feel. We need to get this thing in check, and based on that, we're gonna do something. Our body moves into action, when we put on the full armor of God, it reverses everything so that we become in control of our life and not life in control of us. Are you with me? So, all of this begins, though, with crossing the thin red line. See, 2,000 years ago, Jesus died for us on the cross. And when Jesus' wrists were pierced, his feet pierced, There's a thin red line of blood that flowed from his wounds and us crossing that thin red line moves us into relationship with him. The way we cross that thin red line into relationship with Jesus is by believing that he died for us on the cross, that he rose again from the dead, and then we're baptized into him, we're immersed into him. And in baptism, what we're doing is we're saying, I'm gonna allow the king of kings to be the king of my king, my heart. He's going to be the king of my king, my heart. And he's going to be the one to direct me and lead me and guide me in the way that I need to go. But it begins by crossing that thin red line and saying yes to Jesus, believing, following, and being immersed into him. So that he can be the king of my heart. If you've never made a decision, I want to invite you to make that decision to accept. Because until all of this gets thrown out the window, you can't be armored up. Because remember what Paul said in the very beginning, but be strong in the Lord in His mighty power. You can't be strong in His mighty power if you're not in Him. And so it begins by you crossing the thin red line saying, Jesus, I believe in you. I want to follow you and I want to be baptized into you. doesn't mean you need to have everything figured out. doesn't mean that you need to have all your questions answered. You're just saying, I give up. I can't do it on my own and that's why I need you, God. So today's the day to do that. And you can make the decision to say yes to Jesus and be baptized into him. We're going to (coughs) have our our app slide up here. And uh, on our app, you just download the app and there's a... um, a form there for you to fill out, to connect, and there's a box in that form that you can check that says, I want to be baptized. There's also a box that says, I have questions about getting baptized. So we'd love to talk to you about that as you make that decision. So if you have the app, go ahead and fill that form out if you're ready to make that decision. If not, scan this, download the app. And so it begins by crossing the thin red line saying yes to Jesus. And then for those of us who have, every week we take a reminder to remember who Jesus is and what he did for us on the cross, and that's in communion. And so you have communion cups on your chairs. I want to invite you to go ahead and take communion anytime you'd like. There's some bread and juice there. The bread represents Jesus' body that was broken for us. The juice represents his blood that was shed for us. Just feel free right now. As a reminder, not a ritual. So I just take communion. As a reminder that you've been forgiven, you've been given a brand new identity, you've entered into a whole other kingdom. And all that belongs to God belongs to you. Would that just be the reminder as you take communion today? Because we got to prepare for war. And as you prepare for war, we need to put on the full armor of God. And putting on the full armor of God is a decision that we have to make every single day. And as you take communion, this is your decision to say, I'm getting armored up. I'm ready for war. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for your grace and your battle and your love. Some of us have been trying to do it on our own, so I pray that today is the day we say no more. We are operating in your full strength, in your might, in your power. Today we choose to put on the full armor because we got too much at stake. We got too much to lose. Yeah, so help us put on the full armor of God. Let us be good, mighty kings as we fight for those entrusted to us in your power. In Jesus' name, amen.